0: You know, there's all kinds of scenes that I respond to in movies. I respond to music sequences, uh, I respond to big comedy sequences.
1: It was like uh, they galvanized the, the entire theater. Everybody uh, woke up, everybody got connected. And, you know, and I would go see a, a, a film that had a, a,
0: a sequence like that. I would see it two or three times at the theaters just to see that sequence. And then just to have that experience uh, uh, with an audience.
2: Welcome to Making Tarantino the Podcast. This is another bonus episode. This time we're in 1993 for true romance. Uh, like I said before, and like I've said, Chip and I used to do an old podcast called My Celluloid Heart Podcast. And uh, it was we would take two movies put them together by one theme, topic or theme. And the uh, topic or theme of this week was uh, written by Tarantino. So... It was this and From Dusk Till Dawn, which will be after this one in another bonus episode. But anyway, hope you enjoy it. Here it is. Different format, but same conversation. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 96, Written by Quentin, Part 1, True Romance from 1993. I'm your host, Philip Duke, and I'm here with... His cousin, Chad. bum ba ba bum, 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 bum something i put in some uh if you're new to this podcast we take two movies put them together over two episodes by one topic or theme some facts to go with it and there will be spoilers and like i said for every movie chip and i may bring up dr detroit and tell you spoiler alert he's the same guy um the same person yeah um an addendum for kind of last week's show kind of not really a correction but so i was talking to chip and we had said, I said, well, now that you're my co-host and I can still have other co-hosts on, but Chip's my kind of primary co-host, even though sometimes he's like, oh, we're doing a show today. I forgot. I was playing video games. Yeah. I, I post something on Instagram and he's like, oh, shit. Yeah, I'm supposed to do that thing with Philip. Um, So I was like, how should we do the season? Should we end season three at episode 100? And the last conversation him and I had off mic was like, yeah, I guess like, I don't know how you do your seasons, but yeah, if that's the way you want. And the way when I started this, uh, when I started this, the, the movie podcast, when I got rid of the other one from 2015 and 2018, it was in August when I did, you know, uh, touch of evil and uh, out of sight. And so I started in August. So I was like, well, maybe I'll just do my seasons in August. And that's what I've been doing. So now this time I was like, well, August is a weird time to cut your season. So I'm like, why don't we just go to the end of the year? Then season four will start, you know, in, you know, we'll take a small winter break after December, take two weeks off, and then we'll come back on January 19th and do season four. So, so we're like, okay, so we are going to have episode 100. Um, We'll let you know ahead of time now. Uh, If you don't have Hudson Hawk, go find it somewhere and watch it, Um, because that's what we're doing for episode 100. That's just going to be a one-off, not going to be connected with anything. We'll talk all about Bruce Willis, of course. And then uh, we'll take a month off, and then we'll come back uh, on uh, whatever date, Uh, the 16th of May. No, not May. June. June 16th. And we'll come back and we'll do more shows. And we have some exciting stuff planned. So anyway, there you go. That's all the housekeeping out of the way. Um, oh, I tightened my coffee. How dare I? So now let's get on with the show. Um, so I have this trailer that I want to play. It's two minutes, but it's full of stuff. There's not like a lot of the le- of le- just like nothing of like action or things that you can't see on a podcast. It's all dialogue. It's all music. It's all cool. So I'm gonna play two minutes. So, bear with me, everyone. But it's a really cool trailer. So here it is.
1: From the director of Top Gun
2: and Beverly Hills Cop Two. Hey, Hello, baby. Clarence? I'm a married man, buddy. <laughs> a con man. Ask him if you got the letter. Did you get the letter? What letter? Hey, so to you. No time. Tell
1: him we gotta go. Girl. you call our day? Huh? Ah! I'm out here. she a four alarm fire or what? She seems very nice. What are you doing in LA anyway, Huh? And a suitcase full of trouble. My name is Vincent Kocotti. I work as counsel for Mr. Lou Blue Blue Boyle, the man your son stole from. Now, all that stands between them and their wildest dreams. Find out who this wing a prayer artist is and take him off at the neck are 60 cops, 40 agents, He's a wall man, is kid Clarence. I like him. 30 mobsters. I haven't killed anybody since 1984. and a few thousand bullets.
2: We're all gonna die here. These are cops.
1: Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette, Dennis Hopper, Val Kilmer, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, Christopher Walken. Slow it down, man. in a Tony Scott film. I think what you did, I think what you did was so (laughs) perfect. Not since Bonnie and Clyde have two people been so good at being bad. True romance.
2: All right. So, yes, I hope uh, Chip wasn't bored by that. He, <laughs> I'll, I'll share it with him, and he'll be like, uh, it's kind of long, but it's good. I hope it's good. Anyway, it's my podcast. Who who am I to a pod- You could fast forward. Do the 30 seconds until it's done, like I do. With well, Co- the way
0: I see it is you're, you're wetting their whistle before we wet their whistle. Mm-hmm. Getting them, getting sounds, them, sounds for sexy, the conversation. Sounds,
2: yeah, making, yeah. Them yeah <laughs> making them moist,
0: yeah, making them moist. you know what you're doing right now, though? People hate the word moist, and they're all anybody who's listening is going click, yeah, yeah, they're like trying to throw up,
2: exactly. Uh, <laughs> making them wet and hard, yeah, go. that that doesn't cool. make anybody sick. Oh, chip just got hard, just thinking about it. Knocked no, over is
0: I'm, I'm thinking of other words that make people sick, like tasty. I heard tasty
2: is one of them, I heard lover. Uh, Joe Weedman hates when his wife calls him lover. Okay, lover. He's like, fucking, just call me Joe. Like, just honey, like baby, like whatever, but not lover. Like, ugh. Anyway. I think love. Love by itself. Yeah. Anyway, true romance, 1993. The plot. In Detroit, a lonely pop culture geek marries a call girl, steals cocaine from her pimp, and tries to sell it in Hollywood. Meanwhile, the owners of the cocaine, the mob, Track them down in an attempt to reclaim it. So that's if I hadn't seen this movie, that fucking gets me. Where do I find this movie? Like, oh shit! Like, yeah. Um, Well, and that's
0: weird though, because like I've never heard that like yeah. Such a brief synopsis of like this is what this movie's about. It's like wow, it's so much more than that.
2: Yeah, but it is that. Yeah, yeah. If you
0: simple. But so much yeah if
2: you were explaining it to people you'd be like well there's this guy and then he meets this girl you know and all that but that's more of like that short 30 second like the thing's supposed to be when you read a script and you're given the idea you're in it it's an elevator pitch so you have like 30 seconds to throw this out and so you're like okay here it is this guy marries a call girl he's a geek marries a call girl you know steals cocaine uh, the mob chases, tries to get the cooking. You know, it's that quick synopsis. Anyway. Yeah. Okay, starring. Get ready. This is a long one, Chip. Relax. I'll be with you in a minute. Christian Slater is Clarence Worley. Patricia Arquette is Alabama Whitman. And a fact here is Tarantino envisioned Joan Cusack. And Scott was obsessed with Drew Barrymore, and according to Patricia Arquette, he had pictures of her wearing little outfits. But she said, I think he she was unavailable. So he didn't go with Drew Barrymore. So he went with her. <laughs> Which kind of would make you feel like, why do you have pictures of Drew Barrymore up? But also it could have been that style is what he was going for, for oh, the fair. character. Yeah. Um, so uh, Gary Oldman as Drexel Spivey. Christopher Walken as Vincenzo Cacati. Bronson Pinchot as Elliot Blitzer. Michael Rappaport as Dick Ritchie. Dennis Hopper as Clifford Worley. Val Kilmer as Elvis or The Mentor. They couldn't really say Elvis because Elvis people wouldn't sign off on it. And a fact here is he actually wanted to play Clarence. But Tony Scott's like, how about Elvis? Like, you were in my Top Gun. Like, let's put you over here. Um, Brad Pitt as Floyd. Saul Rubinek as Lee Don- Donowitz. James Gandolfini is Virgil, Tom Sizemore is Cody Nicholson, Chris Penn is Nicky Dimes, and Samuel L. Jackson as Big Don. So, what's cool about that is Samuel Jackson's been in every Quentin movie except for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, and, Re- and Reservoir Dogs. And it's very cool that even though it's not directed by Quentin, like Samuel Jackson is in True Romance. So it's pretty cool, even though it's blink and you'll miss it like who is that guy um and that black guy that's in that scene with him that's a guy from speed right i get confused that the guy from speed or the guy from the crow remember on speed where he steals the guy's car he jumps in that guy's convertible that black convertible and he's like chase that bus and they're chasing the bus and he opens the door And slams on the brakes, knocks the door off, and the guy's like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And then crashes into the water. The guy that got shot by the black guy at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The black guy. He he
0: was from The Crow, yes. He was the the. Okay.
2: Okay. Okay. So he's yeah, he's not the guy from Speed. That was. That means two
0: people from this movie were in The Crow.
2: Hang on, let me think. Jason Bromley's yelling at me right now through the podcast. At his microphone, at his headphones. Um, who's the other guy or girl? Not a guy, it's a
0: girl. It's a girl at the beginning that he... Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she yeah. played Darla. Uh,
2: yeah, mother is the word on the lips and hearts of all children. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and she was in Unti- Un, uh, Unforgiven. Uh, she was the whore that got cut up. Yep. Anyway, written by Quentin Tarantino and an uncredited Roger Avery... And directed by Tony Scott. So uh, I think you like Tony Scott. I like Mm -hmm. Tony Scott. Now let's get to listener comments. There's a bunch. Lighting Up the Marquee wrote, True Romance is an excellent script from Tarantino. While Tony Scott did a good job directing the material, it just feels like it's missing that Tarantino touch from him in the director's chair. True Romance features an all-star cast, though. The Sicilian scene between Hopper and Walken is tense and extremely engaging. Gary Oldman delivers an iconic villainous performance in such a short time and is unrecognizable doing so. If I had to pick a negative for this movie, the score by Hans Zimmer to me has always felt out of place. Yep, Chip's shaking his head. You know it's a podcast, Chip. Say Uh, disagree or... I love the score. Yes. Um,
0: In the beginning, just the, the,
1: the...
2: yeah. Dung dung dun dun Yeah. And yeah. well, and the thing is, like, I agree with not the score, but the soundtrack. If you laid out the soundtrack, it's got some weird it's got okay music in it. Like I listened to it last night, the soundtrack. <clears throat> it's nowhere near as cool as like from Dustral Dawn soundtrack, is like, you know, like wall to wall, like awesome songs. Um but anyway, that's my opinion. Our friend Sergio wrote I just watched this last week. I still loved it. A little dated, but still fun. Carlene, the uh, the uh, uh, what do you call it? What's the uh, the brain? The she's psychic Psych. from Tipsy yeah. Tales podcast. She wrote, "I don't think I've seen this one. I'm going to check it out." I said, "Yes, please do that fucking <laughs> right away." Yes. <clears throat> Here's my take. Podcast wrote on my per- so he's his name's Mike. He's a friend of Tim, and uh, Tim's on his podcast. He's on Tim's, whatever. I believe his name is Mike. If I'm wrong, I'm very sorry. Uh, Here's my take, podcast wrote. One of my personal favorites. The acting is great, the writing is amazing, and I really enjoyed the overall story and themes. The character, very sorry, fucking up his shit. The characters are unforgettable, like Drexel, Gary Oldman, and Vincenzo Christopher Walken. I personally love the score. I think it fits the character's personalities perfectly between Clarence Whirley and Alabama Whitman, Slater and Arquette. To me, it represented their blind love in the midst of their chaotic world. So uh, I agree. And because they're friends, I'm wondering if he's like, fuck you, I love the score. Fuck you, I hate, you know. (laughs) Uh, So Kelly, one of the co-hosts over there at Movie Chatter Podcast. Uh, she wrote one of my all-time favorites. Tarantino's excellent writing, coupled with perfect casting and performances, allow for every character to be larger than life while none overshadow each other. Stepping into the re- stepping into and receding from the spotlight with brilliant balance. Some of the best monologues and quotable lines. How many comments am I allowed here? I said as many as you want. So then she responded to about here's my take what he wrote about the soundtrack she said couldn't agree more believe it or not both my sister and i incorporated you're so cool that iconic han zimmer piece in our wedding and i was like yeah wow. i said my cousin did too but then i remembered we didn't bring the music with us and we were like fuck and you were like fucking wedding's over fuck it let's <laughs> leave the beach um so homies j love i guess uh, wrote, quote, killer, two exclamation points, unquote. Uh, Lynn E. Orion wrote, nothing but love, exclamation point, with a heart. Uh, Claudia Delia, 74, wrote, quote, amazing and timeless movie, love it, with a heart. All is fair and love and war, true, like T-R-U, I don't know what it means, but wrote just wrote three hearts. Not necessarily going by the celluloid heart, rating system but just three hearts. Loves a movie. Yeah. Um M Gray Jada 77. I don't know. M G R A J E D A 77 wrote one of my top movies of all time with a fire emoji. Unquote. Um Moni in the middle wrote loved it with uh one, two, three, four, five, six flaming heart, uh, flame emojis and nice. uh four clapping emojis. Unquote. Uh, Deadly 621 wrote, loved it. Brant Dodson, our resident reviewer, wrote, love this movie. Sometimes when someone says they're going to the store and ask me if I need something, I'll answer with, bring back some beer and some cleaning products. Nobody ever gets it, though. <laughs> uh, Gigi Moreno wrote, uh, three clapping hand emojis. Jason Bromley. So I said, Jason, you got to, this is one of your favorites. You got to write something. Jason Bromley, Popcorn Promises wrote. <clears throat> hang on, let me get ready. This is a, it's a good one. All right. Hang on. Let me drink some coffee. All right. True Romance was my first little taste of Quentin Tarantino. I didn't know why I liked it, it just tasted right. Christian Slater was such a badass in this movie, and Patricia Arquette was smoking hot. I just remember watching this at 13 years old and thinking how cool it was. This movie's cast is so amazing. It has some of the best character performances in it and in true Tarantino style, the script allows for these crazy characters to pop in and tell their stories. From Michael Rappaport doing his TJ Hooker audition to Brad Pitt as Floyd the stoner. Val Kilmer's Elvis to Gary Oldman as a dread-headed pimp. This movie is amazing. My favorite character moment of all time is the dialogue between Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken. That scene gives me chills. You can see the exact moment when Hopper realizes he isn't leaving this room alive. So he relaxes and turns a five-minute speech into a racial slur against Walken. So fucking good, in all caps. Uh, And while I get what the other reviewers said about the soundtrack, I think it's a perfect score to a perfect gem of a movie. So, that's everyone. Thank you, everyone, for writing. I was like, "Holy shit, we got twenty-something reviews on this thing."
0: Um, go ahead. I just I just realized with listening to everybody and naming off the names and stuff, at least three people I know of for right now mm-hmm. out of this movie were also on Friends. Hmm.
2: Hang on. I'm I'm thinking. Uh, I should just ask you. But I know Brad Pitt's one. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, okay, go ahead. Michael Rappaport was the cop mm-hmm. that Phoebe had gotten,
0: found his badge. That's right. And they started dating. And then Gary Oldman was the actor that uh, that Joey was working with that kept spitting. Oh, when he yeah. would talk. He would spit in his eye or whatever. It's like, oh, yeah. So.
2: I always wonder that about acting with Humphrey Bogart because he had that like lisp or what, and not lisp, but the way he spoke, like his lips are always wet. And I'm like, was he spitting oh, at people? Geez. Like, I wonder. Um, but, uh, what is, uh, we'll get to you. And then me, I guess, what's your story with true romance? Where did you, uh, come across it? How did it come I into your
0: life? don't remember. I just remember loving it. Um, and the only thing that I could think of as I was watching it again today Was that I understand now for for how old I am watching this movie for when it came out? Yeah, that this movie to me is the same way my dad would feel about watching um, all star cast movies that were on Sundays, like Towering Inferno type things, something like that, that had a bunch of the older actors that he loved and they were all together in one movie and they all had awesome parts that just built the movie up and made it, you know, amazing. That's what I feel that my dad must have felt about those types of movies that I feel about this.
2: Yeah. No, that's uh I that's awesome. Uh I haven't seen Towering Inferno for a while, but yeah, some of those like it's like the feeling you get I mean for you and maybe for other people. The feeling you get from watching The Mandalorian brings you back somehow to Disney Sunday night movies of like awesome you know awesomeness yeah like
0: when you yeah when you see the like the, the first intro to the disney yeah uh, thing pop and, up in
2: and just like comfort food and just like you know makes you want to you know curl up with a blanket um but uh me uh i think uh now i lost my notes there they are uh not that i had them i just need to know where we're at in the show uh so with this i did um I, I, we talked about earlier. I kind of walked myself through it and was like, oh, so Chip explains to me that I didn't know Quentin Tarantino. I didn't know Reservoir Dogs. I had heard of this guy, I'd heard of Reservoir Dogs. Chip saw it first. I don't know if I saw Reservoir Dogs before Pulp Fiction. I think I had to, but I probably didn't see it when you told me to until Pulp Fiction was coming out. And then I was like, oh, I saw True Romance in '93. Pulp Fiction's coming out in '94. Let me watch Reservoir Dogs. And was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but I remember seeing this movie in the theater, and everything. It's like Jason said, like I was like, holy shit, they're talking movies, they're mentioning shit, you know. Now back to Bullet already in progress, which I almost wrecked a car at Coulter Cadillac because I'm had my head out the window and I'm talking to one of the sales guys. I'm getting ready to leave. And I'm like, okay, now back to bullet already in progress. And I floor it and it's fuel injected and it won't. And he goes, what? And so I stop slam on the brakes. I'm like, I said now back to bullet already. Now it doesn't work. Now I'm, he's like, what the fuck is he saying? Then I drive away. But anyway, um, the bullet stuff, the movies, you know, that thing of, like, what I like to do is I'll walk into a room or some movie's playing. I'm like, what's this movie? I want to figure it out without looking at the TV guide or whatever. And then I'm like, oh, it's, you know, and that scene of him, like, it's a Max. Max Julian, Carol Speed, Richard Pryor. I saw it seven Mm -hmm. years ago, you know. Um, Well, and the thing
0: is, is that you're looking back at it, trying to figure out when the time frame is and everything. mm -hmm. When when you look back at it now and you watch it, you realize that every everything that comes out of Christian Slater's mouth is yeah. something that Tarantino would have said if he was in that part. Yeah, like that was that was him. Yeah, and it's it freaky when he's sitting there going, "It's not so much that he's a good guy as he's a bad motherfucker." Yeah, like that. you yeah. like, yeah, that would that's Tarantino's. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> well, and even some of the dialogue that you'll notice that he takes from that, puts in other movies. It's just his. Dialogue. It's, you know, do I look like a big blonde with big tits and, you know, with a big ass, tastes like vanilla ice cream. And then in Pulp Fiction, it's like, do I look like a bitch? What? Why are you trying to fuck me like a bitch? Oh, shit. Okay. Um, yeah. but uh, But yeah, the Elvis thing where he loved Elvis. And I was going to bring it up, but I didn't. I was going to bring up the exact episode. But season, I want to say two, but maybe I'm wrong because Sophia gets married, so it can't be season two. Sophia gets married and uh in there there's a bunch of Elvis impersonators behind her and one of them is Quentin Tarantino. So, yes. you know. So that was his thing like oh I want to be an actor but also I love, you know, fucking, you know, Elvis. So um so that was so then I saw then I saw Reservoir Dogs I was like oh my god now they're talking about Pam Greer like and because of this movie I went and was like Sonny Chiba okay what are these Street Fighter movies? And I went and watched all the Street Fighter movies and then later in Kill Bill you're like, oh that's Sonny Chiba. He's working with Sonny Chiba, the guy he wrote about in true romance. That's so cool. That's such a cool scene in Kill Bill when he's like you say like I say Oragatu. You say Origatu <laughs> yeah. And uh and then when he changes when he's the guy that makes the sword and he's like oh you know who I am. Oh shit. Um anyway So a fact here, on the first day of shooting, it became clear that Slater and Scott had different ideas on how to play Clarence. So Scott gave him a copy of Taxi Driver and told him to watch it as homework. And Tarantino had Robert Carradine in mind for Clarence when he was writing the script. So Robert Carradine and Joan Cusack, that would be totally different and weird, and Robert Carradine would make it more gritty, I feel. In case yeah. you don't know, Robert Carradine is from uh, uh the uh, nerds, Revenge of the Nerds movies. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh and he was in the Cowboys uh John Wayne movie. Uh yeah, John it's weird
0: when you look at it from the perspective of the person who's writing it and who they think should play the part. Yeah. Because it's the same as uh Chris Claremont when he was writing Wolverine stuff, yeah. He was picturing Bob Hoskins as Wolverine.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well like, what the fuck? And it's the same thing as you and I when we used to work on your comic book. Yeah. And we were like and you were like, if this was on the big screen and Mel Gibson walks out and he's got this long red hair and it's gonna be badass, and we're like, Yes, that was it's dated because it's dated. <laughs> it's dated because that's when we thought of it. Robert Carradine, he probably thought of right after seeing some cool Robert Carradine movie and was like yeah, Or true. just being an odd choice like he does with let's put John Travolta in this Excuse me, in this role. Yeah, that's true. So about that theme, so in case uh, you didn't know, so that, that main theme, dun, 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 you're so cool. Gossenhauer is a short piece from Carl Orff's Schulwerk, which means schoolwork. As the full title indicates, it's an arrangement of a much older work from 1536. It has been used multiple times on television, radio, music, and in films, including the films Badlands, True from 73, True Romance from 93, Ratcatcher from 99, Finding Forrester from 2000, Monster from 2003, Michael Moore's Capitalism, A Love Story of 2009, and The Simpsons' 22nd season episode, The Scorpion's Tale from 2011. So the piece was used as theme music of an afternoon radio program uh, from WCLV in Cleveland, Ohio in the 70s. But when I saw True Romance first... I was like, "Wow, that's cool." Then I saw Badlands, which is Sissy Spacek and um, Martin Sheen, and it's like done after the Starkweather murders. Like him and the girl went and killed people. He killed people. She got off. He got killed um, by electric electric chair hanging. I forget in Texas, but um, spoilers. But yeah, well, I told you spoilers for every single movie that we might mention. Um, so. So yeah, they play that theme. That's where I for where I hear it. Then and I'm like, oh, this came from there. That's cool. It's a different rendition of, you know, it's pretty cool. Um, okay. Now we're getting into the movie chip.
0: <clears throat> okay. Right, okay. So hold on. First, first, okay. first and foremost, the one thing yeah. that I know that I've 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 heard back in the day when all of this started with the Tarantino craziness. Yeah was that originally the Tarantino script was a Tarantino script that Tony Scott had to put it in order
2: mm-hmm.
0: of occurrences because he did not know how to direct this movie pieced all over the place. Like the way Tarantino does his stuff.
2: Yeah. And
0: I just not pull it off.
2: Yeah. I had never heard that he didn't know how I just, he wanted to do it linear and he did. And Quentin was kind of like, uh, like it should have been a little like Pulp Fiction Little like okay. Reservoir Dogs, um, but uh, and even a little bit of uh, you haven't seen it, but Hateful Eight is a little bit like that in a way. Yeah. But anyway, um, no, that's really cool. Uh, at a Detroit theater showing. So this jumps. This is the synopsis from Wikipedia that Chip and I used to walk through. It starts out in the Detroit theater it should start out in the fucking bar with him talking about how he'd fuck Elvis, and you're just like, what the fuck am I watching? Holy yep. shit. Like, this guy's talking, this guy's, and then he's, and then he's like, so you want to go to kung fu movies with me? And she's like, my wife, uh, no, <laughs> no thank <thing. laughs> Three kung fu movies. No, no. Yep. Um, so, uh, then he goes to the theater. That girl kind of blows him off. So you see, like, he's kind of a geeky, lonely weirdo, who likes, you know, he's a little demented if he's talking to Elvis in the bathroom. Um, Yeah. Um, So he goes to the Kung Fu movie and meets Alabama Whitman. She strikes up a conversation with Elvis Presley. Uh, I mean, sorry, Elvis Presley fanatic Clarence Whirly. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, what the fuck? Um, So a small fact here was Jack Black played an usher in that scene, but his scene was cut. (laughs) so that would have been interesting like what kind of interaction did they have um so then they later go home so he takes her to this again skips takes her to the comic book store and shows her like all around there and i didn't mean this to be when i watch this movie every time i'm like oh my god this is really not that it's me not that i'm clarence not that i'm a badass at clarence but when my wife first came over for our first date uh before she was my wife obviously uh came over for the first date and i had set out i had kick ass the comic book like i had that on the table i had all my toys up on a shelf and i had and so when she comes over i'm like honey look Uh, not honey she's some hey Danielle look at this this is a comic book I like comics I go my cousin used to tell me that what was cool about reading a comic is you turn the page and boom there's this big splash page it's like a movie it's like exciting and I said I never understood it until I read kick ass when they're in the apartment and there's a knock at the door and he goes to answer and a sword goes right through the door and kills him from fucking hit girl and I'm like and so I'm showing her that i'm showing her my toys i'm excited showing her who i am she is thinking like who's this guy with toys and you know gi joe figures and all kinds of weird shit and a chucky doll and you know showing me comics like (laughs) already like like this is not making me moist um like (laughs) i'm out um but then we went to then we went to Mexican food, and we come back. And I had told her already. I said I have a movie that we're going to watch called True Romance. She's like, okay. And we watched True Romance. Watched True Romance. We loved it. You know, she loved it. I'd seen it several times. And she was like, I go, did you like it? She was like, yeah, it was really good. And then, um, and then ever since then, like that's our movie. And that, uh, and that, um, what was the point of my thing? Um, so yeah, it was like me just showing who I am, like just being like flat out like honest, like and that's the thing with Clarence, he's being honest. Like I like Elvis, I like kung fu movies. I'm not gonna be like no, I really like artsy films or I really like you know rom coms, and then turn around and be somebody else. Um, but um, but anyway, it was really there was some point that I was gonna make about true so romance. So what you're
0: saying? Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Is that when you were explaining all this to her she was not looking at you the way that alabama was looking at him while he's sitting there opening up the comic book talking and and she's just sitting there like staring
2: at him you know she's sitting there like wait what comics what what's going on here how dare you um (laughs) first of all she came from uh These regular dudes that she was dating or like, you know, these wannabe cop, whatever, whoever she was dating. They were like these dude dudes. And I'm a dude who's not a dude dude. I'm just like, hey, I like to cry at E.T. Um, So, so I think part of it was like, we're, we had been talking on the phone forever. So her and I, and so we knew each other and hanging out. So this was our first.
0: you You did the same thing that I did to my wife. You basically just let it all out. This is yeah. who I am. Yeah, yeah. Just here I am like that. And they're like, okay. It's better than the finding out three months later Yeah, who the fuck the person is because they're they're trying to be something or not.
2: Yeah, exactly. When I'm like, let me show you my toys. And she's like, what? Now she's like, you can put the posters up in your own office. Put all your toys up there. Like, yeah. we're not putting anything in the living room. But, honey, I want,
0: you know. Go ahead. Well, you remember, because you we basically went through the same thing there. Cause if you remember my old studio apartment thing mm-hmm. that right when you walked in the front door, there was the the bookshelf thing. And all I had was storm shadow and GI Joe's yeah, <laughs> toys. Yeah, yeah. All in there. So yeah. it was like the moment that I first met my wife and brought her in. She's, yeah. That's the first thing she sees when you open up the doors. Hey, look toys.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, mine was the same way. She saw, I probably had this Fargo poster hanging up, up on the shelf. She had all these toys, but anyway, let's get back to the movie. They later have sex at Clarence downtown's apartment. Uh, Alabama tearfully convinces, confesses that she's a call girl hired, hired by Clarence's boss as a birthday present, but has fallen in love with Clarence. And that's such a cool moment. Like you said, there's a scene of him explaining to her the comics. My wife didn't have a fuck you look like you said, you son of a bitch. She was, but in her head, I'm sure she was like, this is unlike any date that I've ever been on. Nobody pulls out a comic book, a Mike Millar comic book and be like, look at this, you know, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Um, And that, you know, how old is this guy? Why does he have toys? You know, I'll be 50 this year. So it's like, holy shit. Um, And this was back in 2010. So it's like, oh my God. Um, So I love how, like you said, she looks at him when he's showing the comic book, you know, and I wanted to find that comic, but I don't think it exists. The comic book of Nick Fury throwing the ring, and the Nazi bastards, and all that stuff. I think uh, I i, I think I tried to look it up, and it's not available. Um, and then uh, when she's out there crying, and he's like, what's wrong? And she's like, you know, and then he's like, if I throw caution to the wind and I say I love you, you know, and you tear my heart out, you know. So, yeah, very cool. And then uh, then they marry. And then, oh, how are you, Miss Saliban? You know, Miss Worley. I'm fine, Mr. Worley. Um, what was it that he said, like, top of the morning to top you? And of the, she said bottom yeah, of the night. Yeah, bottom of the night to you, Mr. Worley. Um, so, uh, an apparition of Elvis visits Claire. So, she's like, all my stuff's at my, you know, at Drexel's house. And he's like, what's a Drexel? And she explains, or no, he says that on the thing. And then she, then he goes into the restroom, and that's when Elvis talks to him and convinces him to kill Alabama's pimp, Drexel. And this is, again, where, you know, as cool as we want to be, I cannot walk into a pimp den, coke den, pimp house, yeah. thinking that I'm going to kill one guy. Now I walk in, there's music going, there's all these innocent hookers around. But there's also innocent, meaning they don't kill people. They do. They are hookers. They're guilty of being hookers. Um, yeah. But now you got this big guy that you got to deal with. Plus, you got Drexel. And who else is hiding in all these rooms? Like, it's a whole logistics nightmare. But yep. he just walks in there and is. And of course, it's a movie, but he just walks in there and. So he tells her he's gonna go get her stuff, and she's like, "No," don't. and he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go get your stuff." And she's like, "Be safe, be careful, I love you." He's like, "I love you too." I'm like, "She should be like, there's a guy at the door. There's this guy. Yeah, get rid of the hookers first. Take down the big guy first. You know." Um. So, so then he goes to the brothel where she worked, and we then meet Drexel. And so something cool before we get into this coolest baddest scene that one and Sicilian are my favorite scenes. Um so old man uh, old had his Dracula wig maker work his magic on Drexel's dreadlock wig and he sported one of the eyes from the same movie. So that's where he oh, got wow. that that gray like dead eye. He got that from the Dracula set. Was like, "Can I borrow this and can you make me a So. That's awesome. But that scene is so badass when he's like He's like, if you sat down and you start chowing down, I'd say, holy shit, this guy don't have a care in the world. And who knows? Maybe he don't. You know, maybe you don't. And you're just like, holy shit. And he's like, but no, there's a woman over there with her titties hanging out. And you haven't even bothered to look. And he did yeah. look. And he's like, that's a Mac. Max Julian, Richard Pryor, Carol Speed. Saw it seven years ago. I ain't sitting because I'm not staying. I ain't eating because I'm not hungry. And uh, and I'm not uh, and whatever. And in that. Uh, envelope is a piece of my mind my piece of my mind's worth that much and not a penny more and you see drexel open it and he can tell it's empty but he's like i'll fucking give this guy a benefit of the doubt and he looks and he's like yeah it's empty and it's so fucking cool where he's like we got mr majestic here fucking charlie charlie bronson and yeah. and he just keeps looking at it and you're just like but you're also thinking like how badass would that be if he did just sit down yeah i'll have an egg roll okay, what are you doing here, dude? You're eating my egg rolls. Like, what the fuck? Like, you're just, you know, and then you fucking kill the guy. Um,
0: well, that's the extreme of it but, because he makes yeah. it sound like if you did this, I think, you yeah. you know, you don't have a care in a role. But at the same time, if you did do that, he'd probably be like, who the fuck is this yeah. guy doing this shit? Yeah, he'd be more like, on edge. Who do you
2: think you are? Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, it's cool because he, uh, so then he um, so then he tackles, throws the shit at him, tackles him, and then Clarence does that headbutt and fucking bust a guy's nose that's holding him. And yeah. then, uh, and then they fight for a while. And then he shoots. He's like, go get, you know, go get Alabama, you know. And he's like, where are the keys? I can't find the keys. What are you fucking? And then he gets shot in the nuts and then shot in the face. Well, and that's, he had
0: gotten, he had gotten, uh, the driver's license from Clarence. He, yeah. And saw where, saw Alabama her address. Was and he told his henchman to go get her.
2: And the, uh, and the, um, the other one was, uh, where Elvis told him, Sh- put that dog down, shoot him in the face. And you're like, this is from El- Elvis? That's my Elvis? <laughs> <laughs> Who's seeing blue suede shoes? You're telling me to shoot a guy in the face? Um, He's part of the Elvis Mafia, didn't you know? Yeah. So he shoots and kills Drexel and takes a bag he assumes contains Alabama's belongings. Back to the apartment, he and Alabama discover the bag contains a large amount of cocaine. She's like, this isn't my things." <laughs> <laughs> And, um, and the couple visits Clarence. Uh, so then they go to his father and Clifford, a former cop and now a security guard for help. And I love how Clifford says, what makes you think I would help you? And then he words that same sentence, but what makes you think I would help you like, and you're like, Oh my God. Like, so, and he's like, you know, fuck you then. You don't want to help me. Like, I never asked for anything. You know people on the force. Okay, fine. I'll help you.
0: Well, and the coolest thing about this, before we even get into the later scene of him, you know, Dennis Hopper with uh, Christopher Walken, his face is so, like, you could see in every moment what his his interactions with what he sees his son And then when he tells him that he's married yeah, yeah. and it's like, and every little thing, like he just like, it's so expressive in each moment of his like contentment or or, or discontent, like his his annoyance with his son and, but also trying to be nice to her at the same time while being like, you little. Yeah. Being like, well,
2: and being like, I haven't seen you for years and now you show up. And then what I love is the scene when he's like, he's like, you come in here like a fucking tornado, whatever the word is, like just, calm down, just take a break, you know, just chill. And you could tell if Quentin Tarantino, if you ran into Quentin Tarantino at a party and you mentioned like fucking, you know, what about uh, once, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly, he's going to fucking get all excited and go off on this thing and you're going to be like, whoa, slow down. I just meant, you know, I just want to talk about this one scene and you want to, you know. Yeah,
0: well, in 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 that moment, that was the only thing the Dennis Hopper said that to me was straight Dennis Hopper.
2: Yeah. 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 I was, I was like, calm down, man.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. He's total hippie. Yeah. He's totally, uh, yeah. totally, uh, easy writer. Um, yeah. Clifford tells Clarence that the police assume Drexel's murder is a gang killing. So he has a dad check. His dad does. It says, yeah, they think it's for the drugs. So you're good. And, um, And after the couple leave for Los Angeles, and he's like, here's the address of where we're staying. And his dad just puts it in his pocket and goes on on inside and hangs out. And then uh, they leave. Clifford is interrogated. So now it's the next day. Clifford shows up and is, you know, punched, knocked out. And he's, go ahead.
0: There was one thing that I noticed in the beginning, because you got to think about this. I I, I guess I never really thought about it before. Mm Mm-hmm. But when he's pulling up with his dog. Yeah. With Rommel.
2: The other dog. Um, the other dog. Yeah. The
0: other dog runs by. They show the other dog first so that when he pulls up, because you wonder, you know, he has a dog when the dog protect yeah. him, but it's because he saw the other dog that the yeah. dog runs off. He's like, Rommel, Rommel. So he has no protection when he walks in the door and he gets punched in the
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I. I. I don't know if I noticed that before, but yeah, it's like, you know, and also thinking of if you're writing that scene, how do I write it? He had a dog. How do I let's have the dog go fuck this other girl, this girl dog. And, you know, okay. Um, So uh, we'll try not to uh, stretch this out too far, but some cool scenes in this movie. Um, So he gets knocked out. He wakes up and he's interrogated by Vincent Kakati consigliere to mobster Blue Lou Boyle with whom Drexel has been doing business and who now wants the cocaine back Co- so he's like and I love how he's like no he he came here asked me for money I gave him 500 bucks he left that was it you know that's it and he's like, he's like you're telling me everything but you're giving me nothing like you know like come on tell me you know and, um, and so then that's the scene where Jason said, so then it, it, uh, the scene, we can't even do it justice, but it's done so well. And that's when he's like, do you want a Chesterfield after he like punch it, does whatever he's like, no, you know, I don't want a cigarette. Then he decides, okay, I'm not getting out of this. And he's like, yeah, I will have one of those cigarettes. And as he lights it up, he's like, cause, um, cause, uh, uh, Christopher Walken is like, We're, I'm Sicilian. There's certain pantomimes. There's this many 15 pantomimes. Girl has 21. Guy has 15. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Or vice versa. And, um, and then he lays that all out. And that's when Dennis Hopper's like, Okay, now's my chance to drop some history on this fool and yeah. get a one up on this guy and be like, Fuck you, kill me. You know? Okay. And, um, and so, uh, Clifford realizing he will die anyway, mockingly defies Cucotti, who shoots him dead. So, um, like we said, that scene we can't do it justice. But basically, he says that Sicilians are spawned by blacks because the Moors conquered Sicily, and so mm-hmm. white, white, uh, white-skinned, blond-haired, blue-eyed Italians became dark-haired, dark-haired, dark-haired dark-skinned, dark-haired uh, uh, wops from northern Italy, as he said, which yeah. is derogatory, but. um a fact here that was interesting while the gun was filled with blanks it released flames from the side to prove it was safe Scott had a Scott had a crew member cuz Dennis Hopper's like I don't I'm not going to get in front of that gun and have you shoot me like it's blanks like I'm worried yeah. and um so to prove it was safe Scott had a crew member shoot him with the gun as Scott started to bleed as a result of the demonstration he acknowledged that an alternative approach was necessary. <laughs> Hopper wow. wasn't alone in his assistance on gun safety. Gary Oldman wore a metal cup just in case. So when he got shot in the balls, he was wearing a metal cup. So he didn't get hurt. Um, So that was uh, so that was interesting, too, where if you see that the way that scene is shot is like maybe a dummy head, him shooting him and, you know, shooting him in the head. Another fact here: Quentin thought the Sicilian scene was his finest work until he wrote the start of *Inglorious Bastards*. Um, so, and I'll I'll talk about that Sicilian scene uh, later about where it came from uh, in real life. Uh, a note on the refrigerator ve- reveals Clarence's Los Angeles address. So that's what's funny. Where after all this trouble, then he's like, you know, it's like, boss, prepare to be happy. And he's like, what? And it says Clarence, you know. So. In Los Angeles, Clarence in Alabama, meet Clarence's aspiring actor friend, Dick. Dick introduces Clarence, Michael Rappaport. Dick introduces Clarence to actor Elliot Blitzer, who reluctantly agrees to broker the sale of the drugs to film producer Lee Donowitz. And again, what I love, little things in a Tarantino movie. This is why I've also thought of this, doing all this research and thinking of this shit it's good that we're alive at this time that Quentin Tarantino puts out nine films going to be 10 and then he's going to retire that, you know, love him or hate him. There's something that we're witness to of, you know, switching things around and making, you know, bringing up kill bill, like all these different things. But what I loved, which is just a small thing is I love animal crackers. But they're $2 for a little box. And I'm like, that's fucking expensive. Why doesn't Animal Crackers make a bigger version? You can buy a bigger version, not made by Animal Crackers. It's called Animal Treat, whatever. It's called some bullshit. I want the real Animal Crackers. So when I see him eating Animal Crackers, I'm like, I love Animal Crackers. Oh, my God. Clarence loves Animal Crackers. That's so cool. You know, Why did they put that in a movie? Oh, my God. Same thing with... The Charles Bronson, the Mr. Majestic, you know, all that stuff. You're like, oh, they mentioned that. Oh, they mentioned this. So a fact here, Pinchot admitted, this is for the, when they were doing the roller coaster. Pinchot admitted that he was terrified filming the roller coaster scene. I had to do it twice with Christian and then got off and had vertigo and the whole thing. And Tony said, Bronnie, I'd like to do a neat close up of you so you can go. So can you go again? I'd like to take Christian out of the seat and mount a camera there and send you up by yourself. He said, I don't know why I did it, but I did it. And he made me do it three more times. In the end, I was crying and dry heaving. (laughs) Rappaport's (laughs) protest also fell on deaf ears. He only threw up after going on his first trip on his second. He was high on quaaludes. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) Um, So while Clarence is so, then Clarence they they've made this deal. They're gonna go meet with Lee Donowitz. He's gonna sell it for two hundred thousand, as opposed to the million dollars of whatever these drugs are worth, like a million. He's gonna give them a real good deal. And again, he's like, I have you know Doctor Zhivago that I want to open for a limited run, you know whatever. And you're like, oh my god, he's doing like a that's such cool code, like oh my god. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, uh, Doctor Zhivago, not a great movie by the way. I watched it semi-recently last year, and it was not good. I didn't like it. Maybe you'll like it. I like David Lean. I didn't like, I like Lawrence of Arabia. I did not like that. Anyway, well, Clarence, so then Clarence is like, I'm going to go buy lunch. He drops her off at the hotel. That's when he's like, now back to Bullet, already in progress, takes off. Um, the uh, And uh, Kakati's underboss, Virgil, finds Alabama in her motel room. So he's just sitting there. She walks in. My thing is right away, she should have been like, Oh, I'm sorry, am I in the wrong room or are you in the wrong? What's going on? But yeah. she waits, walks over, and she's like, But I love the part when he's like, Where's our Coke, Alabama? And she's like, We don't have any Coke, but there is a Pepsi machine down the hall. And you're like, Oh shit. But also she he's like, he's like, You got heart, kid. Like she's taking every punch she's like flipping him off with a bloody lip and everything. And he just, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, the fact here, uh, Tony Scott would slap her with her permission. And by the end of the sh but she liked it like that would help her get into the thing. So by the end of the shooting, she was asking for the persuader to be able to act in key scenes. <laughs> like, can you give me that persuader? Give me a slap in the face. Um, So she fights back and kills him with his shotgun. So did you have the director's cut or not the director's cut?
0: Yeah, I had the director's cut, yeah.
2: Which is weird. We'll get to at the end. But the director's cut is Quentin wanted it at the end. It would have ended different. But also there's added violence to this scene where Mm -hmm. she, in the regular scene, she just shoots him and kills him. In this scene, she shoots him and kills him and then beats him with the empty shotgun like, yep. more and more. And you're like, holy shit. And then she, like, holds it up yeah. and screams up into the sky yeah. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And um, so she fights back, kills him with a shotgun. Uh, Elliot is pulled over. <laughs> so now, so you're going, hey, man, I've been watching this whole movie. I saw Tom Sizemore Chris Pinner in this movie. Where are they at? This movie's almost over. What's going on? They're the coolest fucking movie cops almost ever. I love the way yeah. they play on each other. Like... It's almost as good as the Reservoir Dogs um uh uh not Vince Vega but uh, Mr. Blonde and Chris Penn the way that they interact together in Reservoir Dogs. Um, well, and
0: watching this made me feel like I really want a buddy cop, cop of them in the underworld <laughs> oh. like but I want it done by um Tarantino. Yeah, yeah. I want Tarantino to write a buddy cop like underworld kind of a situation. I yeah. want I want to see it from their point of view the whole movie. Yeah not from the point of view of the bad guys for the whole movie.
2: Did you ever see uh, sabotage? I think it was that Arnold Schwarzenegger one where they were cops, but they were a little dirty. It was pretty cool. Um, but anyway, as David Ayer did it. Um, so Elliot is speeding, you know, Elliot tells him like, I need a test thing. Oh, and there's a funny scene of course that where he's like, he's like, who the fuck is Dick? And he goes, you want me to suck his dick? And he's like, no, who the fuck is Dick? Oh, who the fuck is Dick? Oh, he's like, And the thing where it seems added like an improv, like, yeah, I told him you were good. I lied. And you're like, (laughs) oh, shit. Um, So then he tells him, Elliot tells him, I need a little, you know, a sample bag. And that's just Elliot asking. The producer didn't ask. Elliot just said, give it to me. So now Elliot's high driving. That guy's Porsche zipping around, driving out of his lane and everything. Cops pull him over. He's like, put this in your bra. She's like, I'm not wearing a bra. He's like, put it in your fucking purse. She's like, I'm not gonna... And she fucking hits it and it goes all over him and the cop yeah, is he like...
0: Calls, he calls her a whore. Yeah, And so then yeah. she smacks it into his face and it goes all over the place and he's <clears throat> just covered in coat.
2: And so he's pulled over for speeding and arrested for drug possession. So to stay out of jail, he agrees to record the drug deal between Clarence and Donowitz for the police. So... It's just cool where they're both, like I said, that interaction of, of oh, are you, you know, yeah. And that pussy just isn't going to be tight enough because you're so used to being fucked in the ass that it's like, oh, my God. Like, that's the other thing with as producers of the film and as Tony Scott being a director, you would think I was thinking of this last night. You would shy away from the N word in that scene, yeah. even though you know that that scene is so great you might want to change it to have the N-word not be in it. And with yeah. that, you would be like, this might be a little too too rough to be like, yeah, that pussy ain't going to be... But they left it all in, and it works so fucking great. If they would have changed yeah. it, it would have been like, oh, I couldn't imagine seeing this on TV with a TV edit. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, that would <laughs> yeah. be crazy. Um, so the Kakati crew learn where the deal will take place from Dick's roommate, Floyd. They They were here... And then, they, then they went there. They they were here, and then they left. And it's like, just so, just so like nonchalant, and just so you guys want to hit up, okay. Um, so yeah, you go down, you know. And he's telling them how to get there. And they're and, all
0: looking at each other like, how long is this gonna take? take? And he just keeps like, no wait, you turn down. No. Yeah, <laughs> he, yeah. Because he just took a huge. Hit. Yeah, yeah. And As then they that, walked in the door, and they all have their guns, and he's, oh, whoa. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and then that's when he's like, you want another, you want a hit? Okay, okay, it's down there. And, yeah. yeah. Um, so, a fact here, after appearing in Ridley Scott's Thelma and Louise in 91, Brad Pitt was quickly on his way to the top of the Hollywood A-list, and it was the actor himself who asked to play the role of Floyd, Michael Rappaport's stoner roommate. Brad Pitt called and said, why don't you let me play the roommate? The late director recalled in 2008, I said, are you serious? Fucking yes, because he was on the bloom of stardom. So added James Gandolfini, everybody was young and nuts. Brad Pitt was around, too. I don't think he was Brad Pitt then, but he was great. I just had to watch him and say, what the fucking flake? He improvised a lot. It's like awesome. Um, So and that's the thing where another cool thing where. Brad Pitt's in a small role in True Romance and then he's in Inglorious Bastards and uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And he wins an award for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And what else was cool on... uh, What were you pointing at something? No?
0: No, I was going to say that that what's cool about that too is that uh, Gandolfini playing this character... And then you take them out and you put them in the Mexican, yeah. with mm-hmm. Brad Pitt, yeah. Yep. And he's yep. playing a different type of hitman, yeah, and yeah. It
1: was
2: yeah, so a cool. gay hitman. Um, what was cool also is there's a maybe I'll share it on the Facebook page, but there's a, a interview for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with uh, it's Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie, and and they're they mentioned True Romance for some reason about Quentin Tarantino about True Romance. And um and or about what Quentin films they liked or whatever. And I think Margot Robbie's like, true romance, I love. I watched it all the time. And Brad Pitt's like, oh, okay. And she's like, I love when you're like fucking cue you, man. Like she re she says his words to him, like you're like, Oh fucking, don't fucking condescend me, a fucking have you killed, I'll cue you. And he's just like laughing, it's like so great. Um so Clarence, Alabama, Dick and Elliot go to Donowitz's suite at the ambassador hotel with the drugs. So this is crazy for the cops. Like, yeah, you have a guy wearing a wire, but also he's a piece of shit. Who's a drug dealer. You're a cop. We cannot have any kind of, you know, kind of feelings for this guy. He's doing us a favor, but he's still a piece of shit, you know? Yeah. But also it's a thing of them like, you know he'll be fine you know he's like what if somebody does something that you can't see like pulls a fucking gun on me and they're like nah that's not gonna happen we'll be right there and then all of a sudden he gets in the elevator he's sweating i'm like this guy doesn't look right i'm gonna be like i'm out see ya um but uh then when he's in the elevator he stops it and he pulls a gun out and they're like clarence what are you doing and you feel bad also when Dick Ritchie and them leave speaking of Floyd, that's when they go to leave and they're like, okay, we got to go. He gets that call and it's saying that he got the TJ hooker role. And Dick's like, okay, cool. And he's like, I got it. And they're like, awesome. Come on, let's go. And he kind of doesn't want to go, but then he's like, all right, I'll go. And then, um, and then that's when Floyd's like, uh, you know, bring back some, you know, uh, now I forget fucking it up already, some some beer and some cleaning products. And um, I forgot the first thing. And After he was yelling uh, and then at him they leave. For drinking his beer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, and so then when he puts a gun in Elliot's face, and you feel like Branson, Bronson Pinchot, I love Perfect Strangers. Like I, I grew up with that. I loved it. Don't be ridiculous. I love him in Beverly Hills Cop. You know the first one, not when he reprised it, and the third one, it was horrible. Yeah, that was stupid. Yeah, but uh, he's not sexy to scrub. Yeah, you sexy. think it's sexy? sexy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, you know what's it say, pertaining? What? Excuse me. Was pertaining? What is a meaning? Oh, the meaning. <laughs> oh, why am I? Oh, I'm here because I'm her friend. Oh, okay. Um. So yeah, so in this, when he's got the gun to his face. And he's just freaking out. He's at the end of his fucking nerves and he just starts crying. And he's like, somebody, please help me. Get me out of here. I want somebody to come down. And you're like, oh, my God. Like your heart just you love Clarence, but you're like, oh, this is too much. Like, oh, poor guy. Um, And then he's like, "Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're good. We're okay." And they hug and all that. And that's when Tom Sizemore. Go ahead. My
0: thing is, is that he, I'm surprised he didn't piss himself and just destroy the wire that was around his crotch <laughs> right
2: there. Yeah, true. The, uh, but uh, how Tom Sizemore's like, he's fucking bluffing you, Elliot. He's not going to. And then he's like, oh, shit, he's going to shoot him. <laughs> and, you're, yeah. and, and then he's like, I love this Clarence. I love this Clarence. He's a wild man. Like, fuck. Yeah. Um. And then uh, in the elevator, so I already said this, suspicious, threatens him, but is persuaded by Elliot's pleading. Uh, Clarence fabricates a story for Donowitz that the drugs were given to him by a corrupt cop. He had already told that to Elliot, but now he's like, I just bullshit him. He's like, why would he trust you? He's like, I bullshit him. He's like, I love you. You're, you're great. Pulls that gun on him. Um, and then uh, Clarence excuses himself to go to the restroom. So they give the money over. And while this is going on, they're at the Beverly Ambassador. The mob is getting ready in the one room. The cops are in another room listening. Then they're in the middle, you know, doing the deal. And they have two bodyguards who have fucking MP3s. Fucking, he's like, what made you think you could bring a gun here? He goes, same thing that made you you know, think you should bring an assault rifle to a fucking business meeting. <laughs> and then he's yeah. like, you know, I don't need your fine assess, daredevil. I got it right here. Um, or I got my fine assist here, daredevil. Um, so those guys hate cops, which is my favorite dialogue of that, which is on the trailer that I played, which is, you know, you know, there's something I, for, you know, you know, we're all going to die here. These are cops. And he's like, something we forgot to tell you. We hate fucking cops. And you're like, oh shit, this is where the guys put the guns down. Like what's going on. And, and of course there's a little preamble of, oh shit, I forgot my vest. Tom Sizemore's like, "Ah, I forgot. Oh well, let's go. Um. So then they're going to do the money and Clarence is like, she'll count it. It's fine. He's like, okay. And, He's yelling at Lee. I mean yelling at Elliot. And Elliot is just like, <laughs> like, thank God it's almost over. And um, and then while Clarence is in the bathroom, that's where he has another vision of Elvis who reassures him that things are gonna go well and that he did well and all this. Donowitz and his bodyguards are ambushed by the cops and the mobsters, and that's when elliot's like officer dimes officer dimes (laughs) and you're like keep shut up stay shut up and then he's like uh can i can i leave now and he's like why does he know your name why do you know his name what do you fucking fuck and then he throws a hot coffee on him and he's like uh and then shooting goes crazy but did you notice the guy with the pompadour that's a mob guy he's from grounded for life he's a brother in grounded for life yeah um he was in
0: Something else afterwards that uh I, I could not remember for the life of me that I was sitting there going yeah because he like he he was more balding and stuff and was shaving his head but he was in something recent and I don't know what it was.
2: I'll write um, it down. We'll look it up. We'll have a correction for you on the next episode. Three, three. um But that was the thing though. All this shit is happening. It's so loud. Everybody yelling at each
0: other and everything. Yeah. But Clarence is in the bathroom, and that's the only thing I could think of is that he's so into his. Um, moment of talking to elvis that he has no clue that he can't hear a damn thing
2: yeah yeah yeah
0: so focused on his you know his like i I don't know i don't know what you want to call that his
2: inter his mental mental break or whatever yeah just like having a conversation and not even hearing anything just like did i do good elvis would that be elvis schizophrenia i guess Maybe. I don't know. Uh, We'll have to look if anybody has a uh, schizophrenia. Maybe. Yeah. uh, Elvis schizophrenia like everybody has. I wonder if there's people who do have celebrities that talk to them in their heads of, you know, Elvis or Robert De Niro or (laughs) somebody dead. Um, (laughs) So then Dick takes the drugs, throws it up in the air. They shoot that, you know, the mobs and the cops are shooting with them in the middle Everybody's being taken out. Tom Sizemore dies. Um, Chris Penn is alive. And um, almost everyone is killed in the gun battle. And Clarence is wounded. So he comes out of the bathroom and he gets shot by Chris Penn in the eye. Mm. And uh, he and Alabama escape with Donowitz's money as more police arrive. But what happens is um, she grabs a gun and shoots him in the side, uh, Chris Penn. Yeah, yeah, because he turns his, he, turns and he goes up
0: Because he hears he hears the guy that says he hates cops. Yeah, yeah. He hears him going, I need an ambulance. I need an ambulance. So he walks up, he's like, what? He's like, I'm bleeding. The, and he's like, fuck you. And then he says, this yeah. is for my partner. And he shoots yeah. him in the head. But because he shoots. Yeah, because he sideways. He hears that. Yeah. And turns, and goes, mother And she shoots him.
2: <laughs> so, he, shoots, he shoots a blonde Frankenstein. Remember when he's like, put your gun down. Hey, blonde Frankenstein, put your gun down. <laughs> yeah. Um, And uh, so uh, Then uh, where was I at Yeah so they flee to Mexico Where Alabama gives birth to a son Whom she names Elvis So they were saying they couldn't get The rights to like Elvis Presley Like they wanted to play Elvis music They want to start it with an Elvis song I think is probably how Quentin wrote it Um, And then they were like Oh they wouldn't release that But they would let him name him Elvis Like you can name a kid whatever But you know but they wouldn't let him yeah. use the Elvis name. So a fact here, uh, Quentin had Clarence die. Scott decided that the movie deserved a happier ending. The only other difference between Tarantino's script and Scott's interpretation was presenting the movie linear, as you said. Uh, Tarantino wrote, the true ro- wrote True Romance as a nonlinear adventure, similar to the style of Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction. Tarantino is fine with this ending, though, and says that it totally works. So, Sweet. you know, so, which is awesome. Uh, another fact here, Patricia Arquette. Uh, I found this out on the audio commentary. Patricia Arquette bought that purple Cadillac after the movie. She was nice. like, can I, and they were like, yeah, and they sold it. But now I think then she ended up selling it years later. And so I think I follow this guy named Clarence Worley on Twitter who like has the true romance athons and they stay at the Safari Motor Inn motel. Um, and all that and so they tracked it down i think the original purple cadillac and they bought it and they re re uh remade it redid it um another fact two years after its release senator and u.s president hopeful bob dole cited both true romance and natural born killers as movies that revel in mindless violence and loveless sex in a speech directed at film executives to put out more family oriented films So, first of all, you can't just do all family-oriented films. you got to do a mixture of everything. And they don't have loveless sex. They love each other. Like, you know. So, but, yeah. Uh, But, yeah, I agree. Uh, Natural Born Killers, if I'm a parent going to take my kid, (laughs) 18 years old, 17, yeah, let's go. Holy shit, what are we fucking watching? Killed that guy at the diner. Um so, Rotten Tomato site's consensus states, fueled by Quentin Tarantino's savvy screenplay and a gallery of oddball performances, Tony Scott's True Romance is a funny and violent action jaunt in the best sense. So, the Hopper Walked scene, colloquially known as the Sicilian scene, was praised by Oliver Littleton of IndieWire, who called it one of the most beautiful tete tets in contemporary cinema wonderfully written and made utterly iconic by the two virtuoso actors tarantino himself has named it as one of his proudest moments quote i had heard that whole speech about the sicilians a long time ago from a black guy living in my house Uh, one day i was talking with a friend who was sicilian and i just started telling him that speech and i thought wow this is a great scene i gotta remember that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it was like his stepdad or something like he used he had a, a lot of stepdads, but his mom would date black guys and that's where he also came into love with like all these different movies knowing how to talk like you know all the stuff spike lee gets mad at him for why do you got to use the n-word because that's how people talk like you know yeah. um so the last fact here is Brad Pitt's stoner character in True Romance, this is cool, Floyd, was the inspiration for making the film Pineapple Express, according to Judd Apatow, who, quote, thought it would be funny to make a movie in which you follow that character out of his apartment and watch him get chased by bad guys, unquote. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that's way cool. So uh, I give this movie, I was was teeter-tottering. First I said five, then I said four and a half. I went ahead and gave it five because it means so much to me and my heart all that so I gave it five uh end answer that's final final answer As uh what's that guy's name that died would say uh yeah um what do you give it uh, five five what? all always five for this one yep i, I should have guessed think- when you own like 17 copies you said
0: yeah I, my wife pointed out that i I own these uh special edition one. And apparently, for whatever reason, I own just a regular copy that I think she said hasn't even been unwrapped. And then I have a copy that that is with two other movies. So I pretty much figured that I got it for the other
2: movies. Right. Right. Yeah. But
0: but it's on there too. And now I just bought the digital version on
2: Apple TV. And I'm surprised that she let you buy that. Like if like the other day. Um... Not that, I mean, I agree with kind of watching them digitally is easier just to be like, click, click. Like, that's why I end up buying Goonies on digital because it was 4K. My yeah. Blu-ray is not 4K. Um, well, here's the
0: thing. The moment ahead. that I said when she asked me, we were at the beach yesterday, mm-hmm. she goes, what's your movie for tomorrow? The moment that I said, yeah. she goes, that's your movie.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So there, there's no So, yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. I said I bought yeah. it, she yeah. was like,
2: oh, well, okay. Yeah, because um, I... uh. Cause the other day I put uh, Sicario on the cart at Amazon and I'm like, it's five bucks. It's on Blu-ray, honey. Sicario is a great fucking movie, but we have a digital copy on like a hard drive that I burned a long time ago that I put it on there. So she's Mm -hmm. like, but we already have that. And I'm like, yeah, but we don't have the official and it's five bucks. And she's like, but we already have it. And I'm like, you know what? I agree. Cause all I'm going to do is put it into my digital thing of all my other movies i have it there i watch it a couple times there i don't want you know it's gonna go on the shelf and you know nothing so with true romance i could be me i could see me being like i should buy it digitally and then be like no it's not 4k because i did check it it's hd so i'm like no i'll just pull out my blu-ray so and it Mm -hmm. looked fine um but anyway uh so is that everything you ready to let them know what's coming up or do you have more stuff to talk about this movie no i think i'm
0: good i think we've uh We've we've exhausted all of our knowledge and stuff that's been popping up in my head about friends and whatnot. Yeah,
2: so. cool, cool. Um, so right. uh, go ahead, let them know what's coming next week. All right, come back on May fifth for. Do you
1: want to live through this on ancient ground? A terrifying evil has been unleashed. Now, five strangers are our only hope to stop it. Oh yeah. January 19th, Richie, look out! the showdown is on from Robert Rodriguez from Quentin Tarantino from dusk till dawn. Rated R. That's right. From 1996.
0: It's from dusk till dawn.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Tito and the tarantula mm. playing the body parts and Cheech Marin. So, talk about soundtracks the other day so after i last night after i listened to um uh true romance soundtrack Mm -hmm. then i was like i was like i remember that from Dust till dawn soundtrack and i started to listen to it but on apple music not all those songs are available you gotta buy the album Mm -hmm. so i'm like fuck the album's 10 bucks I'm listening to those songs thirty seconds or a minute of those songs, and I'm like, man, this is really good, like I need to buy it like it's got all the dialogue in between, like all the mm. cool shit, like you know, we got black pussy, white pussy, Chinese <laughs> pussy, we got you know um just like and it's just so fucking cool and that opening and Michael Parks and oh, uh. um, so yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, and it goes with our written by Quentin Tarantino, which you and I, you know, um, you're writing uh, novels now. Uh, I used mm-hmm. to write scripts and I was just like, oh, my God, like, I want to write that. But then what I realized that you and I talked about on the last thing that I started to write, like more of a novel, more of a regular kind of story. Mm-hmm. And I. Force this dialogue in. You can't force that Quentin dialogue. You can't force something stupid like you just got to have it flow. And um, and speaking of real quick, something that I want to talk about. We were talking about the scene, and then in, in, in Glorious Bastards, so there was a scene that I had in one of my movies that I wrote that was a hitman who was not telling a guy why he was there to kill him. He just had a guy handcuffed in the back seat, and he's going through this whole thing about family feud, and. The guy's like, and the guy in the back seat is like not knowing what's going on, why he's there. And so I had, I had written it shorter, then I rewrote it and I read it to my friend Joe and my friend Sergio. And they were like, that when I rewrote it, they were like, it's kind of like a long, it's really long. And I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. And I read it to Chip and Chip's like, I get it. That's awesome. Like I'm, I was on the edge of my seat. Like, where is this going? And then you see *Glorious Bastards and Chip and I made jokes like, what do they think of that? Are they like, this thing about the the cream and the people are down in the floorboards, like, are they just going, this is too much? Like, make it quicker. Like, what's going on? Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, certain movies stick with you. They stay in your head and heart forever. So from all of us at My Cellular Heart, keep watching movies. Thank you, everyone. You have anything, Chip?
1: Yeah.
0: Everybody, you're so cool.